0: morning. morning. It's good to see familiar faces and new faces, and I just want to thank uh, my dad. I want to thank you guys for just letting me speak to you for a couple minutes uh, this morning, maybe more than a couple minutes. It might be a few minutes, but I just want to thank you for the opportunity um, to speak with you guys from the scripture, and um, I am nobody but a fellow brother in Christ who lives in a city. A hop, skip, and a jump away, who's doing the same thing, following Christ with fellow believers in a community um, in the biggest little city, if that means anything to you guys, is Reno, Nevada, uh, the forgotten city of Nevada, the red-headed stepchild. Las Vegas gets all the glory. No one cares about Reno, Nevada. But uh, me and my wife have been over there for two and a half years now, and um, we are having a great time. God is Moving, I believe in the city of Reno. I really believe that he wants to bring revival to that city. That he is bringing revival, and um, I just want to share a couple scriptures with you guys this morning. If you want to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter eleven, wow, that sounds really loud when I talk down into it. I'm going to move that down. Hebrews chapter eleven. We're going to. We're actually. I'm not going to lie to you. We're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. So if you're not awake, get awake. Get attentive. Because we're going to read through a lot of scripture. When I am asked to preach, I always get, uh, I, all I think of is, I have nothing to say, so I'm just going to say, read a lot of scripture. Because God has already said it best, that's what my dad taught me, and I believe it to be true. So I can't say anything better than scripture, so I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today, and I'm going to let the Spirit of God breathe on it, and hopefully today, if you don't learn something, you're reminded of something about who God is, and if you don't learn something, you're reminded about something about who Mankind is, and if you don't learn something, you're reminded about something, about how we can apply the Scripture today. So three things to be thinking about as we read through all of the Scripture is what does this say about God? What does this say about mankind? And what does this leave for me to do tomorrow morning, right now, that I can implement in my Christian life? What does this mean practically for us? And so as we read through some large portions of Scripture... There's just such good truths about all three of those things. But today, Hebrews 11, you guys, if you have been a Christian for any length of time, you probably know this is the hall of faith. The hall of fame for the people with huge faith is what Hebrews 11 goes over. And today I want to talk about something that's so simple of a topic, um, but often is thrown around in the Christian life and not really broken down to practicality. And that is faith. What is faith? Faith is a belief, faith is something that we say we have as a Christian, we have faith in God, we have faith through situations, through circumstances, but what does faith look like practically, what is it, what does it mean for my everyday life, those are things that we're going to look at today. So Hebrews chapter 11, are you guys ready to read? You ready to follow along? All right, you're with me? If I see those eyes glaze over, I'm going to have you stand up. I might have to shake you a little bit. I'm going to start walking in between the pews. I feel so far away from you guys. Can I go down there? I feel too far away. All right. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, our faith, is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. That is God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looks for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was uh, past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. "...therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead..." It's talking about Abraham. "...so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable..." Talking about his descendants. "...these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them." and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac in He that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. I've seen that somewhere else. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandments concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith, Subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to the flight of the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they were wandered about in sheepskins. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us Father, we come before you today clinging to that promise that where two or more are gathered in your name, you are here in the midst of us. So in faith, we take you at your word and we behold you. Lord, we want to lift you high this morning on our hearts and on our minds. We want you to be preeminent in this room and on our minds as we walk through these scriptures. Father, I pray that your spirit would use these scriptures to point out areas in our life that need mending, that need fixing. Lord, I pray that you'd bring us back to you, and I pray that we would run to you, that we would draw nigh to you, clinging to the promise that you will draw closer to us. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your spirit. I pray that you guide us this morning. And teach us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. That was a lot of verses. Forty verses. Good job, guys. Over 40 verses. You did good. Did you get it all? Amen. Have a great Sunday. <laughs> That's good enough, right? Faith. These people had immense faith. It doesn't, it walks through a lot of the people that we know in Scripture, but not even close to all of them. He says, I don't have time to walk through every single person that had faith and had great faith in the Bible. When we think about faith and we think about people in the Bible who had faith, we think of these people. We think of Abraham, who God said moved, and he moved, not knowing where he was going. Not even really knowing yet fully the God who was speaking to him, Yahweh. And he went on this journey by faith, engaging with this relationship with Yahweh and taking him at his word that he would have a son in his old age, that he would have descendants innumerable as the stars, innumerable as the sand. And he stepped out. And then we see Jacob, or we see Isaac, we see Jacob, we see Joseph. We go all through these people. And these are the people we think of in the face of doubt, in the face of of persecution, all of these things having faith. And so today... I think we can all be generalized into two categories of either right now you're walking through a sto- in, in a storm, you're walking through a trial, you have something in your life, some turbulence in your life, you have something that is trying your faith, or you are walking a blessed life right now and you don't necess- you're not necessarily in the middle of a storm, but you're just walking in a day-to-day life, just going through life right now. So you're either right in the middle of a storm or maybe you're not. Those are kind of the two categories. Whatever one you think you're in today, I want to speak to both of those a little bit concerning faith. Because in our minds, I believe when we think about faith a lot of times, we think about when faith is tested. We think about the Hollies right now because they have strong faith because they're experiencing loss. So some of you might be walking through loss right now, and that is a time We're definitely, speaking about faith is very practical, and there are verses that we're going to talk about today that talk about Jesus' presence and who Jesus is and who God is and what he promises us, that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us, and what faith looks like in time of loss. But for the rest of us, I also want to talk about what does faith look like during the good times? When it's not necessarily being tested, when you're not experiencing the loss of a loved one right now, when you are just going through the quote-unquote mundane day-to-day life, what does faith look like? What does it look like to walk a life of faith as a follower of Christ? Faith without works is dead, according to James 2.17. It's one book over, if you want to flip over to James 2.17 real quick. We're going to read just a couple verses. James 2.17 It says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. James says, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought brought about with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Wow. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. And not by faith only. Only. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. This passage is extremely powerful and it brings extreme implications to the Christian life. Faith is not a belief statement. Faith is not a head knowledge of who God is. Faith is not a knowledge of what the Bible says. Faith is not repeating what the Bible says. It is not even believing in the existence of God. According to James here, faith without works is dead being alone. And works without faith is also amounts to nothing. So faith without works is dead, and works to earn favor or righteousness is just religious. That's just religion. That's not faith. So faith, what is it? Faith is taking God at his word, believing him to the point where I act upon those beliefs. And his word becomes the foundation of everything that I think, say, and do. That's the difference. And that is what we see as we walk through Hebrews 11 and these people's lives. They didn't say, I believe you. I believe there's one God. I believe in Yahweh. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he saved me from my sins. Now I go about my life. That's not faith. That's not faith. Faith is not coming to this Sunday service every morning, every week. Faith is not opening your Bible and reading it every day. Faith is not being a member of a church. Faith is not saying that I'm a Christian in my Instagram bio. Faith is taking God at His word and living my life upon His word. And saying, I believe who you say you are, so I'm going to live it out as a citizen of your kingdom, not this one. So, living in faith has extreme implications for the Christian life and changes, in fact, every single aspect of my life. Every single aspect, not just what I do on a Sunday morning. It affects how I think, how I speak, how I relate to everyone in my life, Sunday through Sunday. So a couple aspects of faith we're going look to at, look at, the more familiar aspects of faith, and we're also going to look at what it looks like on a daily basis So I'm going to fire these off at you, and then we're going to just kind of walk through them for a few minutes. So faith takes God at his word in the face of the unknown. These are things that we're familiar with when we think about what faith means, what it takes to have faith, right? Abraham, in the face of the unknown, God said, move. Just move out of that land. Didn't even tell him where to go yet. He said, okay, I'm moving. Packed up. In the face of the unknown in the face of not knowing what the future holds, in the face of not knowing every next step, said, God, I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey. That takes action. Not saying, okay, I believe that you want me to move. No, I'm packing up my things. I am moving in obedience. There's faith, there's action. Where there's faith, there's action. Where there's faith, there's action. So if you have faith in your life, there will be action. There will be fruit of that faith. If there is not, the Bible says there's no faith. So that's where I want to challenge us or remind us in today. And so we see very clearly in the beginning of Hebrews 11, faith takes God at his word in the face of the unknown. It also takes God at his word in the face of doubt. Sarah, being well beyond the age of being able to bear children, that's some serious doubt. Not realistic not physically possible, to have children, God said, you're going to have a child. So what do we do when God's word stands in the face of extreme doubt? Faith takes God at his word and acts in the face of doubt, in the face of the unknown. Matthew six thirty-two through 34 says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Hebrews 13:5 through 6, a couple chapters later, says, "Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me." Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Romans 15:13 says, "Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope, abound in hope, through the power of the Holy Ghost. So it doesn't matter what doubt comes your way in the department of finances in your life, in the department of loss of life, in the department of relationships, in the department of career, in the department of family, of church, it doesn't matter. We know that God says these things. If I seek his kingdom, All these things are going to be taken care of. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says that we have the power of having hope and peace when we believe through the power of the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to take God at his word, and I'm not going to worry whatever comes my way. This is a big thing in today's day and age. Anxiety is the buzzword. Anxiety and depression are the hot topics that even Christians have, I think, fallen prey to, when the Bible says that we can have a peace that passes all understanding, when we can have hope. When can we have that hope? When we believe. When we take God at his word and say, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to worry about the situations of today because the Bible says we can't add one hair to our head. He says if the birds do not worry about the food of tomorrow and God takes care of them, how much more are you important and he will take care of your needs. So faith says I'm going to believe that and relinquish my worry I'm going to cast my care on my heavenly father actively acting on that faith and saying I'm not going to worry I'm not going to let anxiety control me and my emotions control me because my faith is rooted in what God has said and who he says he is so I'm acting upon that. Sometimes actions isn't packing up your camp and leaving the country. It's actually handing over your stress and worry to our God. Who has ever uh, experienced financial hardship or stress? Most of us. That's that's normal for most people. Uh, A little while ago, um, money was tight, and I was stressing, and I was not... Trusting my Heavenly Father. I was trying to control the situation. And I was stressing about it. And um, Chandler, my little boy, was playing, and I was watching him. And, you know, he's 18 months. He's just having the time of his life, not a worry in the world. And I was looking and I was like, You little punk. I was like, I'm so jealous that you're just so carefree right now, that you just don't have a worry in the world. That's amazing. And I was like, Man, I remember what it was like to just be little and just not worry about finances. That was a great not thing to worry about and just being able to live life and be like, hey, my dad's got it. I don't have to worry about it. And in that moment, God just said, you can still be like that because I am going to take care of you. Just as you were as a child and when we are children, we don't have these burdens or these stresses because our parents or our earthly father is taking care of us We still have a Heavenly Father who will always take care of us. He has promised to never leave and never forsake us. He has promised us His presence, His peace through anything that we go through in this life. doesn't matter if we are grown up now. A lot of times, because we're grown up, we want to take that control, and we have this false sense of control when things are going well, but what we don't realize is we actually have no control. That our Heavenly Father is in control, but... We have to choose to trust Him. That's faith. That takes faith. To emotionally hand over worry and stress to our Heavenly Father. It takes extreme faith in exercising in what, the Bi- what we know the Bible says. What I knew the Bible said, I have been challenged to live out. And that is something that I want to challenge you today in. As I heard a quote that said, a lot of people have a lot of knowledge about God, but little experience with Him. And that is the exact opposite of what God wants. God sent His Son so that we could experience Him. He tore that veil so we could walk into His presence every single day so that we could abide with Him. He has reconciled, not just redeemed. He has reconciled. He has restored that relationship. He has brought us Near And in James, he says, if you draw near to God, he will dry, draw near to you. It's directly proportionate, that promise. That as we lean into him, he will lean into us. And our Heavenly Father has promised to take care of us. But sometimes we know too much and we act on too little. Are we acting on what we know the Bible says? Because it's a huge difference and our faith is dead if we just know the Scripture, but we're not living it out. So in the face of the unknown, in the face of the doubt, are you acting on the scripture? Are you casting your care on God? Are you saying, God, I trust you as Heavenly Father. I can't control this situation. I'm giving you my stress. I'm giving you my anxiety. I'm not going to worry about this because you're in control. I am not a citizen of this kingdom. I am here living for your kingdom right now in the ministry of reconciliation. I'm an ambassador of your kingdom here to spread the good news of the kingdom of God that you can be restored as well, that you can be restored to your creator as well, that you can have the hope that I'm walking in, that you can have the peace that I'm walking in, because he that believes on him has eternal life now and forever. We can experience eternal life right now through the Spirit of God. We don't have to wait till we die to experience that presence of God in our life. So faith is going to have action In the face of the unknown, in the face of doubt, and it's also going to take God at his word in the face of logic and reason sometimes. It talks about the walls of Jericho falling down after the the people of Israel, if you don't know the story, walking around the walls of Jericho for seven days. Walking around a wall. That is illogical. There is no reason that a wall should fall down because people are walking around it. I'm sorry. That's insane. Right? Right? But sometimes faith goes beyond our logic. And sometimes faith requires us to walk in the truth and the word of God outside of logic, whether we completely understand what God's calling us to do or not. We're called to obey his word. As Moses grew up in the house of Pharaoh's daughter, literally in royalty as his people were being oppressed, he had the decision to to step outside of that and join his people or to enjoy the pleasures of Egypt. In the face of logic, they obeyed God even and walked around the walls of Jericho until God brought the walls down. So we see that faith sometimes takes God at his word in the face of the unknown, in the face of doubt, in the face of logic and reason, and takes God at his word also in the good times. And this is what I want to talk about as well. Matthew six nineteen through 20 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Jesus is talking here. This is for us, followers of Jesus. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither man nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. James 4.8, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Hebrews 13.15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Hebrews 4.14-16 4, says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Paul says in Ephesians 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What are all these pastors have in common? This is what it looks like to walk in faith. To live for the kingdom of God, to not lay up treasures for ourselves here on earth. What does that mean? That I can't work to provide for my family? No. But that's not what we're working for. That is necessary, yes, but that's not the goal. The goal is not to lay up treasures here. It's to lay up treasures in the kingdom. What does that look like? Living for the kingdom. What does that look like? Living out who Jesus is right now. As a follower of Jesus, I have the ministry of reconciliation. We have been giving that. So now I am an ambassador of the very good news. So I go to people and I show them what the love of God looks like. I show them what forgiveness looks like, what unconditional love looks like, what mercy looks like, what grace looks like. I show them what hope looks like, living with hope beyond this world. I show them what living for another kingdom looks like. I'm not seeking pleasure for myself here. I'm seeking pleasure for my king. And I'm living for another kingdom, not this one. That's what faith looks like on a day-to-day as I clock into my job. I'm not clocking in to lay up treasures in heaven or to save enough money or just to provide for my family. Those are byproducts of the responsibility and purpose that God has created for us to work. But what I'm actually working for is to be an ambassador of his kingdom. To live out what the word of God says. That I am a son of the most high God. That we cry out, Abba, Father. That I am extending the same mercy that I've received. That I'm extending the same love that I receive to everyone in my life, that I am creating, that I'm forgiving, that I'm loving all in his glory and in his image. So to walk by faith when I'm not being tried is going to look like these things. Endeavoring to keep the spirit of unity amongst the believers. Endeavoring to keep the spirit of unity, to fight against division forbearing one another in love, encouraging my brothers and sisters in Christ, walking in the love of Christ. Ephesians 4, 30-32 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. When I am walking and abiding in Christ, I am living in faith. This is the last passage, big passage. We're going to read it. That's going to be it. Romans chapter 8. Here's where it all comes together. This is a hallmark passage right here. During this week, if you want to go read Hebrews 11, 12, and 13, and reread Romans chapter 8, to further process and meditate on this topic of faith, living it out through the power of the Holy Spirit, I think it'll be a blessing to us as we meditate on this truth, really, just not in this in one moment of this sermon, but in um, throughout the rest of the days of this week. I think it would be a help. Romans 8. Are you ready? Here we go. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. <clears throat> for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity, it's enmity against God. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify, kill the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption and to the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even when we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. go down to verse 35 so who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are counted as the sheep for the slaughter nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Okay. Real quick. If we are in Christ, we have been made alive. We are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have been given the Spirit of God. We do not walk after the flesh. We walk after the Spirit. We are not seeking to please the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We are seeking to please the Spirit in everything that we do, in our entire life, in our every day, in our every moment, in our every conversation, in our every day life. if we are in Christ, we have been given the Spirit, it says that we have been made alive. It says that He has quickened your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. And just in case you didn't know, it says in verse 12, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. That means that we have no obligation to sin. Sin has no power over you. None, because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. The same spirit that conquered sin and death lives in us. And we have the power, if we choose, to surrender to the spirit, to overcome sin, to walk in that spirit of God, fully surrendered, to live a life of faith, to live a life pleasing to God. To live a life fully trusting that he will always provide. Fully trusting that he was the same as he was in the day of Abraham as he is today. To fully trusting that he has redeemed me and has sent me to share the message. If I believe the word of God, I believe that Jesus has redeemed me and wants to redeem all men. He's not willing that any should perish. So what has he left me to do? What has he left you to do? To share that. To not only be a beacon of light, a light that is set on a hill, cannot be hid. To shine in this dark world, to show and live of the gospel, but to also share the message of the gospel personally. Not pastors, not leaders in the church. Every single follower of Christ has been commissioned with the gospel. There are people in your life that pastor will never be able to minister to, will never be able to share the gospel with. There are family members in your life that people in this room will never meet. There are friends in your life that people in this room will never meet that God wants you to take the good news to, that God wants you to show his love, his grace, his forgiveness, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and to take him at his word in the face of the unknown, in the face of doubt, in the face of blessing and good time. Say, I'm going to live for another kingdom. I'm not going to live for this kingdom. I'm going to rely on God. I'm going to cast my every care on him. And I'm going to walk as an ambassador through the power of the Holy Spirit of God that has been given me. Paul says, I die daily. That's a daily deed that we have to crucify the flesh. And surrender fully to the Holy Spirit of God that we have access to. That Jesus says, I have given you to be made alive. I have given you to be more than conquerors. And he says nothing, all these things, he's persuaded. Neither death, life, angels, powers, things present, things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God. So you can know, you can take God at his word, that nothing will ever separate you from the love of God, from his presence. But will anything ever separate you and your faith in God? Nothing's ever going to separate God's love from you, but will something separate your love for God? That's when faith is tested. Will doubt in your life separate your love for God? Will the fear of man and what this government teaches, or enforces separate your love and surety in taking God at his word? Will loss separate your faith in God? Because nothing will ever separate his love for you. Nothing will ever separate his promise to you that he will draw close to you if you draw close to him, that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he will always provide for you. So what actions are matching your faith? Because faith without works is dead. So our everyday life of faith as a follower of Christ should be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. When we are abiding in Christ, we're walking in the Spirit. We're surrendered to Him. and The Bible says in Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Peace, patience, long-suffering. These things we cannot manufacture in ourselves. I can't wake up and produce love and joy and peace and long-suffering and patience. Those things don't come naturally. The flesh does not produce that. You guys know. But when we wake up and we say, I'm dying to myself. God, I'm going to take you at your word. I want to live for your kingdom. I want to be an ambassador of your kingdom of the good news, of the gospel. And I want to walk in your spirit. Spirit, lead me in conversation. Spirit, lead me in relationships. He will. And when we draw close to God, He will draw close to us. He will lead us in those things and we'll be producing fruit in our life. We'll be walking in faith in the good times, in the day-to-day, as well as in the face of the unknown, in the face of doubt, in the face of the fear of man in the face of logic and reason, all these things will be able to live out our faith. Because faith is not just a belief statement. Faith is not just a head knowledge of what the Scripture says. It's a life that matches taking God at His word. A life that matches that statement. So I hope as you go through this week, read Hebrews 11, 12, 13, Romans 8. And as you read the Scriptures, seeing the promises of God, seeing who God is, realizing the people that lived out faith, I pray that you would look at your life and just ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to me what I am not acting upon, what I need to act upon. We have a lot of head knowledge of the scripture, but are you living it out? Is your life matching what you say you believe? Because James says, the devils also believe and tremble. That God exists. They know He exists. They know what the Bible says. But they're not living it. We know what it says, but are we living it out every day? Father, thank You so much for this Scripture that You have given to us, that You have preserved for us. Lord, we thank You for the truth that You will never leave us or forsake us. We thank you for the truth that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, God, we have access to. And Lord, today we want to surrender to you. We pray that you would fill us, that you would lead us, that you would teach us. God, we pray that you would produce fruit in our life, that you would point out idols in our life that we need to cast down, that you would point out areas of, it, of our life where we have unbelief, where we have a lack of faith, Lord. I pray that we would grow in that, that you would have patience with us, God. Thank you for the patience you've had with me. Thank you for the long-suffering. Thank you for the grace and the mercy, God. We just pray today that we would not look into the mirror and not change anything, but that we would have faith that is justified by works. That we would not have dead faith, but that it'd be alive that we would walk taking you at your word in the face of doubt, in the face of the unknown, and during the good times. Lord, I pray that you would bless these brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would use them to go out into this community and to shine for your kingdom, that they would go and impact the community of Morgan Hill, of San Jose, of Gilroy, the entire Bay Area, God, that you would awaken your sons and daughters in this entire valley, in the Bay Area, that you would revive them, that you would shine your light of the gospel, that you would pour out your spirit on this entire state and country. God, that you would give us another chance to come to you, to take you at your word and to walk in faith. Lord, we're so thankful for the gift of salvation and what your son did on the cross. Lord, that reconciliation. Lord, I just pray that we would be challenged today to walk in that ministry, to take up that responsibility of sharing the message of reconciliation with everyone we come in contact with, that we would walk in that truth and be beacons of that hope. Lord, we thank you for what you've taught us and what you will continue to lead us into. We love you. In Jesus' name.